Mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Huddle Up Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports and powered now by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is my partner in crime and my fellow football priest. He is your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, Tuesday was an avalanche of Broncos news. And finally, though, things have coalesced. The 17th head coach of the Denver Broncos will be none other than ya boy, Vic Fangio. Yeah, finally. Uh, days of rumor, speculation, you know, front runners being reported out there. The Broncos did decide to go with Vic Fangio, and I was surprised, but I was delightfully surprised because he was my top choice, and I believe Elway made a fantastic hire. I'm not too crazy about the assistant coaches, especially offensive coordinator, which we'll talk about today, but I do like the uh, Fangio hire a lot. Big fan of his. It was definitely an upset. Um, I mean, Vegas, when the Broncos fired Vance Joseph, Vic Fangio became the favorite, like out of the gates, to win yep. the job, which is just crazy how Vegas knows so much, dude. I don't. I mean, that's an, that's a story. That's another subject. But <laughs> we, as we know, though, Elway got enamored by Mike Munchak on Friday, and I think with Chuck Pagano, who when this whole thing started, we power ranked him as the number one front runner on the website to win this job. But I think the reason the Broncos quickly moved on from him was not only the powerful interview they had with Mike Munchak, but I'm guessing, this is an educated guess, by the way, on what I've been told, Pagano wasn't quite as, you know, unquestioningly stoked on the idea of inheriting Gary Kubiak. So mm. then Mike Munchak on Friday completely blows the doors down, gives John Elway the, you know, the goosebumps, gets him feeling the warm and fuzzies. And, you know, Flores on, on Saturday was kind of obligatory, we know, et cetera, et cetera. Monday, though, I mean, by this point, by the time we roll into Monday, we're really thinking that, you know, this thing, everything we're hearing is Elway is smitten by Munchak, and Vic Fangio is just another kind of, you know what, we're covering our bases. We'd already scheduled the interview, so we're just going to go ahead and follow through on that. Right. But Fangio, despite his press conference leading up to the Eagles game in which he said, I've done zero prep work for my head coaching opportunity, he hit it out of the park, hit it off with Elway. He's absolutely on board with Kubiak. And here we go. He's the hire. And Gary Kubiak, here's, here's the thing. We're gonna, as you said, we're going to talk about Kubiak and ramifications and implications of this whole thing. But if you're looking at it with a silver lining, you got a first-time head coach at 60 who is teaming up with a world champion head coach uh, who won the Super Bowl in this town just three years ago, Zach. That's right. I mean, on paper, it's definitely an upgrade over Vance Joseph and Bill Musgrave. There's no questioning that. I just, my preference was the Broncos go a little young at either head coach, 
or offensive coordinator with an offensive mind. I would have liked Zach Taylor to be, to be the OC. I understand why he wouldn't want to leave that position for the Broncos to settle for that job. I just... I would rather Kubiak be an assistant or a consultant. I don't want him handling play calling duties. I don't want him being an offensive head coach. I just preferred someone else. But I do understand why they would go in that um, that direction. It, it solidifies two of their biggest problem areas of the last couple of years with veteran experience. It reminds me of a relationship, Chad, in the sense that mm-hmm. if you have a bad one, the next one you go the complete opposite route with that person. You look for the complete opposite. It's the complete antithesis. So that's what I think Elway did. He's not valuing leader of men and these um, theoretical qualities, these intangibles. He wants results and experience and resume, and Fangio delivered that, I believe, in spades. No, oh, no doubt. And if anything, this move signifies even more Elway's Black Monday remarks that, you know what, rebuild, that's an excuse. And then we find out later, not really find out, but we kind of realize and remember that Elway's contract only runs through 2020. He's got three years left to punctuate his football legacy as a GM in Denver and Vic Fangio is his power move if you will toward that end teaming him up Mm -hmm. with Kubiak and you know if we're talking about Kubiak and by the way make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod if you want to get in on the Mile High Mailbag which we're going to dive into here in just a couple minutes you got to be following the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod also make sure you have subscribed whether you're on itunes whether you're on stitcher google play wherever youtube and rate and review the show absolutely crucial if you have not done that i'm really disappointed in you take some time get that done but i digress while sports can bring us so much joy it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate relax and get decent sleep Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners bo schmidt and mike sill They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hoopin' with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hoopin' with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back to Gary Kubiak, you know, we can sit and talk about the the cons in terms of the pros and cons as it relates to Kubiak. Both you and I, we wanted the Broncos to take that monumental quantum leap 
toward the modern evolution of NFL offenses by going mm-hmm. with someone, even if it's not a quote-unquote young guy, someone who is at least as a coach been on the cutting edge of that. Well, here's the thing with Kubiak. I don't like what it portends in terms of developing that next young quarterback because, you know, Kubiak is going to – and they're going to draft one in the coming class. We're going to talk that about that here today too. Right. But you know that quarterback is going to be asked to come into Denver – and learn how to play football from under center. After playing in a spread shotgun his entire career, he's going to be asked to come play under center under Kubiak. So that's the one thing especially that you know discourages me. But here's the thing. It's the upside of Kubiak. He and Fangio, as, as far as their qualities, they're almost mirror uh, you know, yin and yang in terms of offensive and defensive coach. Both mm-hmm. of them are extreme brainiacs and experienced veterans when it comes to X's and O's and being tacticians, knowing how to exploit the, uh, the opponent's weaknesses and, and play to your own strengths, et cetera, et cetera. But where Kubiak really shines, I think is in his ability as a situational play caller, because, you know, you've Mm. heard me listeners talk about one of the great aspects of what makes Wade Phillips as good as he is, because he's never been a great head coach. He'll tell you himself. He's a lousy head quote, a coach, quote unquote, But what makes him so great is his ability and that savvy in the moment to call the right play to basically maximize his defense's potential to stop or exploit what the opponent is trying to do. And Gary Kubiak similarly has that same knack. And if you can think back, here's just a good example to that. I think it was a week 15 game in 2015. Peyton Manning's injured. The New England Patriots are in town. It's Sunday night football. Neither team had yet to clinch a playoff berth, but everyone knew that this was basically the battle for the number one seed is what it really came down to. Who's going to be the number one seed in the AFC? And there's no Peyton Manning. <clears throat> excuse me. There's no Peyton Manning. It's Osweiler versus Brady. And, you know, the Broncos get down a couple scores. I was at that game, actually, freezing in the snow. It was a phenomenal experience. <laughs> but the Broncos get down a couple scores. You know, Osweiler and company under the huge performance by C.J. Anderson storms back and then it goes it gets tied and we go to overtime well that toss left play in which cj anderson breaks through and takes it the distance in overtime to win the game for the broncos that was a quintessential example zach of gary kubiak holding his cards close to the vest waiting for the right moment watching what how the patriots had been defending their run watching how the patriots were playing in terms of what their expectations were of osweiler and then in the right moment calling the right play that ultimately made the difference in terms of really exploiting Bill Belichick and ending up with that W on the board. And how many times can you say that about Bill Musgrave the last couple of years? Yeah, not many. Um, I, I'll say this about Gary Kubiak. He, he's one of those guys that's a better play caller and a better coordinator than he was a head coach. And in the short term, I'm excited about his development with Case Keenum. I think that's a quarterback that fits his his uh, criteria. Uh, a, a, a shorter but mobile guy, a scrappy guy, kind of like a Trevor Simeon type. And at least he'll have in 2019, you know, his final year, Keenum, a moving pocket, more play action, more play calling to suit his strength something Musgrave really failed at last year and I have faith that Kubiak will also stick with the run game with Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman so in that sense yeah it's an upgrade but I think it's also some recency bias we have here we're so used to we're so used to um, inept offense the last couple last two seasons that we want anyone to think anyone's to be better and people forget they were running Kubiak out of town the same people that were welcoming back with open arms right now they ran him out of town after 2016 so uh, he'll be an upgrade I just my preference and I know that never works out that way I just wanted some youth at that position or 
you know, at head coach coordinator, Clint Kubiak, I think is the closest we're going to get though as quarterbacks coach. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you're probably right. And it's also a path to Clint Kubiak moving his way up the ladder, if you will, as a coach. And it's kind of similar to what Mike Shanahan did for his son, Kyle, in not necessarily in Denver, but in Washington, you know, really promoting him up the chain, even though Kyle earned it, you know, he put in his, his, uh, his, what's the word? He, he paid his dues, so to speak. Um, but Shanahan really opened the way for him. And this is the same type of situation in which Clint's been paying his dues as an offensive assistant. You know, he's going to get the official quarterback's coach job. And then three years from now or whatever it ends up being, when Gary Kubiak and Elway finally hang it up or whatever, you're going to see Clint hope, you know, the plan is anyway. And this isn't a best case scenario in the heart of hearts of Gary Kubiak and probably John Elway too, is for Clint to suddenly be that next hot, young uh, coordinator, either coordinator candidate or that, you know, no brainer guy to carry this thing forward from a new generation that is still, uh, you know, growing off the same tree, the family tree, so to speak. But, you know, let's talk about the implications, Zach. And one of the negative aspects that we're hearing from a lot of fans, many in the media included, that this is one of those, um, the move and the decision to hire, or I guess, move Gary Kubiak to offensive coordinator from the front office is in a way setting Vic Fangio up to fail in a, in the sense mm-hmm. that, you know, he's undermining Vic Fangio's ability to completely hire his own staff, make all his own decisions, lead this team in his own way. Here he is as a first-time head coach, literally coaching with and in the shadow at the same time of a world champion head coach who brought a championship to this team he's coaching just three years ago and the weird power dynamics that sets up. And I know a lot of people are concerned about that. I've heard it on Twitter pretty much all day since the Fangio news broke. But here's the one thing I'll say before I serve this up to you is that Kubiak's not that type of guy. Kubiak is not a power monger. Kubiak is not an egoist. I mean, he's a professional and he's an expert in his field, but he's not one of those egotistical, you know, uh, guy that's always worried about himself and how and accumulating as much power as possible. He's not an arrogant individual. Despite his expertise and all of his accomplishments, you can talk to any player that's ever played for him. He's going to shoot you straight. He's going to call you out when the situation dictates, but he's ultimately an extremely humble guy, even in his success, which is why, and one of the reasons why I'm sure Fangio was like, look, I have no problem with Kubiak. You kidding me? This guy just won a world championship three years ago before he stepped down. I get him, and he also won three world championships as an offensive coordinator and a quarterback's coach. Yeah, I want him coordinating my offense. No brainer, notwithstanding some of those other kind of weird political pitfalls that in the background Denver media are making some real hay out of while this sun is shining. Yeah, I I didn't even think about the narrative of uh, working in his shadow. That's a great point. And what does it say that Elway is constantly reassigning Kubiak and moving him around to keep his old pal around and preserve old times? It doesn't send a good message to me. So um, in terms of, you know, one of the reasons why I hated the move so much and making him uh, offensive coordinator is that Elway forced, you know, Fangio to deal with Gary Kubiak. He didn't let him pick his staff. And that's the same problem that Vance Joseph dealt with. And after he retained him after the first year, Elway let Joseph go through his staff and pick his own staff. He's just repeating his same mistakes. I get that he wants to keep Kubiak around, but he could have brought in a young coordinator. He interviewed Zach Taylor. He knows what he's capable of and kept Kubiak on staff as an assistant head coach or consultant or whatever, and not just gone completely to that well. That's my whole point with it. I I don't like uh, GMs forcing assistant coaches, holdover coaches, 
on a new coach. Let him pick his own guy. Yeah. But it, it, it does strike me that Fangio is a little humble, and he's not this egomaniac where he would clash with Elway's ego. Right. He's a he's a prickly type, but doesn't seem like a guy who would uh, thump his chest at Elway either. So in that sense, it seems like a good marriage. And he's not the type of guy. Let me let me make this brutally clear to Broncos country and those who are really concerned about this. If this in any way actually stuck in Vic Fangio's craw, the idea of Kubiak, he is not a guy who would hold that back from John Elway. He would say right. in that moment, "Look, I'm thanks already, for no thanks. I'm already one of the most coveted. You, you know, even though he didn't try to go out and really push his resume as an NFL." head coach candidate like he his resume speaks for itself and yes. he didn't need that job i mean how many guys stand up two days before they're expected or three days whatever it was to interview for a head coaching job and publicly admit that right now i couldn't care less about that i've done <laughs> zero prep not just i mean it's one thing right zach to stand up and go you know i'm focused on the task at hand i'm gonna you know, focus on that opportunity when the time arises. Right now, I got the Eagles to worry about. Next question. It's one thing to say that. It's another thing to actually say, um, you know, I've actually not done one damn thing in regard to that <laughs> I opportunity. I'll, I don't I don't care about your interviews. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, we'll take it as it comes. What are, what are you going to do? But no, he stood up and said, I've done zero. So he's just, that's what he's known as. And he's kind of a prickly personality. He's known as a straight shooter. And so if John Elway presented this to him as, hey, look, we want to team you up with Kubiak, four-time world champion coach. If that somehow rubbed him wrong, he would have let Elway know in the moment. So, in other words, what I'm getting at is don't think that he's being dragged into this Fangio against his will or that in any way he is not 100% on board with Gary Kubiak. At least today, he is. Right. He, he had total apathy to uh, any question about his head coaching interviews. It was actually pretty funny. Yeah. He, he's a guy who was content where he was. He was beloved in that city by fans, by players, by coaches. Um, he, he was very content. He was in a good position. So he didn't have to take this job. Maybe the idea of Kubiak was the, the driving force behind him taking the job. You know, we don't know his motive just yet. We'll know tomorrow, uh, maybe in his press conference. But right. yeah, you're right. If if he objected to Kubiak or if that was a sticking point to him, uh, I think he would have told Elway thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, he would have squashed that out of the gates. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's move to the Mile High Mailbag because I know all of our listeners are just champing at the bit to get their questions answered and get these off their chest because each and every episode, you know that Zach and I are here to serve as your football priest to offer the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions. And the first one I think we should address just real quick, since it's also part of the news of the day, is this question from Fangio Season at Jason 4 on Twitter. Thanks for the question. His question is, who do you see Denver pursuing for the O-line coach now that Sean Coogler is gone? So for those who might have missed it, at first the Broncos blocked the Bills from interviewing Sean Coogler. Well, now they've made their head coach decision, and officially Gary Kubiak is the offensive coordinator. Clearly what that means is Kubiak said, yeah, let him go. I don't, I don't think I really jive with Kugler. So go ahead and let him go. He's signing. He's going to go to Tampa. So who do the Broncos get as offensive line coach? Well, currently Strausser, Chris, is 
under contract. I haven't heard anything about him being dispatched. So he's going to be around to at least serve as an assistant or perhaps even remain in his role as a tackles coach. But the guy to keep your eye on is one of Kubiak's right-hand consigliaries for all these years. You guys know him well as not only a former player, but offensive coordinator of the 2015 world champion Denver Broncos, Mr. Rick Dennison himself, who Mm -hmm. is an offensive line specialist despite him being a former defensive player. He's actually an offensive line guy, and he bounced around to a couple of different jobs after Kubiak stepped down and Vance Joseph was hired. His most recent one, though, starting in 2018, was offensive line slash run game coordinator for the New York Jets. And, of course, we know Todd Bowles gone, so that whole staff underneath him, who just is going to be filled, by the way, by Adam Gase, who doesn't exactly jive with what... Uh, Dennison's you know, zone blocking philosophies is completely different than Adam Gase. So you're going to see Gase be more than willing to let him hit the road and go back home to Gary Kubiak where he's comfortable, where he's confident. And you know what? If you don't like that, I totally understand. But, Zach, think about this. Who was it that rammed over 200 yards rushing down the Broncos' throat? in week five in MetLife Stadium. It was mm. none other than Rick Dennison's run game in which he was the coordinator. With Isaiah Crowell going ham. Yep. It's, it's still crazy to me. Uh, one name I did Google was Clancy Barone. You might remember him uh, just to see what he's up to, but he's with the Vikings. Uh, Dennison's perfect, though. I haven't really looked into offensive line coaches yet. Uh, Strausser did a good job last year, and so did Kugler. That's a massive loss yeah, for the Broncos, I him agree. leaving. I mean, it's it's uh, he did an incredible job with all the injuries they had and everything. Um, Strasser, he'll be there, and supposedly they have plans what they want to do. And Dennison does fit, and you got you bring a good, a good point uh, with his own blocking because you know Kubiak loves that. So uh, Rick Dennison, and also I mentioned, I saw one name on Twitter that was Phil Rauscher. He was the assistant to Vance Joseph after last season, and uh, he left to join the Redskins. So if they want to pursue him, that's one name to keep in mind. Yeah. Please, God, no. Don't let it be Clancy Barone. I mean, he was a guy that just completely, every unit he coached for Denver was just a complete. I was digging deep, Chad. Yeah, I know. I know. You're just throwing (laughs) the options out there. I know you're not advocating, but. Right at the wall. I mean, and here's the thing, too, about Dennison and Kubiak. Vance Joseph, his entire staff, and I'm sure this is more of a directive from Elway, but they were long-suffering to their own hurt in terms of putting up with just tomfoolery and lacks of execution and i'm talking about garrett bowles and his holding and stuff Mm -hmm. like that if i mean kubiak in and of himself isn't going to stand for it and rick dennison is a guy who will pull a guy like bowles out notwithstanding the fact that he's a first round pick and sit him down so you know it's time to get some discipline back it's time for the adults to come back to denver get this thing on course and i can get behind i don't want rick dennison as an offensive coordinator ever okay but i can (laughs) get on board with him coming in and coaching the offensive line. So let's go to some other questions here. Let's go to Bronco forever. Do you think Clint Kubiak could be the Broncos next young OC for the future? We've kind of touched on this already. What are your thoughts, Zach, on Clint? I think nepotism reigns supreme. And as long as that exists in the NFL, Kubiak will have a shot. He's obviously being groomed by the Broncos. He was kept around. Now it's two regime changes. So uh, uh, he's in their plans of some sort. I want to see how he can develop a quarterback if he even does or if he's getting that job solely because his father is now the OC. But, um, yeah, I mean, Kubiak, they're always looking for that young hotshot. And I'm disappointed they didn't get one in this cycle. But hopefully Clint can be that guy. Yeah. 
I mean, Uncle John's been looking out for him, right? right? I mean, these last few years. And the truth is we don't really know a whole lot about his wherewithal as a coach because he's kind of been so far down the ladder that there's not a whole lot in terms of his immediate fingerprints that we can evaluate from the outside looking in. I do know that he's – obviously he's young, but I do know that he's well-liked and he's going to be learning at the feet of his father in the very direct relationship. So to answer your question, yes, Clint Kubiak could be – the Broncos' next offensive coordinator of the future. Now we move on to Jake. He's wondering, with Fangio uh, being announced as the head coach, do the Broncos keep Roby because Fangio fixed uh, Fuller in Chicago? I don't think Roby is broken, he says, but I think Vic can get the sky from him. Now, this points to another thing that's also salient and a good thing about Fangio. Suddenly all these vets that, you know, you're thinking we need to get them out the door on defense and the fact that, you know, look, we're, we've really lost our ability to recruit on the free agent market. We're just not a, a destination that free agents want to go to as far as the Denver Broncos. Fangio being in Denver just off of his resume from 2018 alone is going to be a huge selling point for prospective free agents from the outside looking at maybe coming to Denver, but also some of these players that are in Denver now fixing to hit the free agent market, Zach, who might go, look, I actually might want to stick around at a slight discount to play for Vic Fangio. That's a great, great question. I hadn't considered that. I don't think that Roby's going to break the bank on the open market, and he might take a lesser deal to return to Denver. Uh, But just remember, though, that the Broncos reportedly are courting Ed Donatel for the defensive coordinator spot. He's the Bears' secondary coach right now. The Bears have two players from their secondary going to free agency. That's Adrian Amos and Bryce Callahan. So uh, no one would know them better than Vic Fangio and Donatel if he gets that spot. So it does become a more attractive option because of Fangio's rep around the NFL as this defensive mastermind, this godfather. It will help the Broncos. Um, I don't necessarily think Roby should come back. I wasn't pleased with his performance. They're going to have to get a cornerback, though. But I do like Callahan, and that that Chicago connection could be a pipeline in Denver uh, this offseason. I think the Broncos have a new sponsor lined up for the stadium, and it's Werther's Original. (laughs) <laughs> the old the old man candy because you got freaking Vic Fangio's going to be 61 here soon. And then Ed Donatel, if he does end up, in fact, as the defensive coordinator, I mean, he's going to be 62 in just a couple of weeks. So and that's not necessarily the worst thing. Like we get it. It's far from the whole young, quote unquote, evolve verbiage that we've been throwing around on the podcast. But sometimes you need proven experts in their field. And Donatel is a guy who absolutely fits the bill. He's been basically he's he's been a, a defensive assistant his entire career in the NFL with the exception of uh, in Washington he did serve one year as a coordinator. No, he also served it looks like here on his resume Atlanta and Green Bay as defensive yeah. coordinator. So yeah, he's got he's got it in spades. So and he knows he can work on a, you know, subconscious level basically with Fangio who is going to have to by the way Fangio if he has a direct, you know, fingerprints on calling games He's going to have to kind of switch up his, his M.O. a little bit because he's one of these guys likes to sit up. He comes down on the field pregame, greets all the players, you know, gets them psyched, scopes things out, jumps on the elevator, goes up to the press box to call his game so that he can see the entire field. But now, obviously, as head coach, he's going to have to be on the sidelines. So I'm curious to see if he does, you know, hire Donatel as defensive coordinator in a nominal role and yet still wants to call the defensive plays Vic Fangio. I wonder how being on the field might affect his ability to do that. 
Uh, don't forget, Kubiak's going to be 58 by the time this season yeah. rolls around. So you're going to have 61, 58, and 62 on your staff potentially. That's uh, that's an older group. So I don't know about evolving, but well, hopefully it works out. But your point about relaying those calls on the field and, and transitioning from coordinator to head coach, uh, Donatel has followed Fangio around a couple times throughout their careers. They're like, uh, you know, they're close. Yep. So if that's why he hires them, it's because he trusts them. So if he does go in that way, uh, having a trusted connection uh, from the sideline to the booth it will pay dividends for Denver. Here's one from Ro- uh, Juan Pablo on Twitter. With Kubiak as offensive coordinator, what do you think he can bring to improve this offense and especially the work of Case Keenum? Also, does the hire of Fangio increase the chance of the Broncos taking a linebacker in the first round? Why don't you take the first question there about Kubiak and the offense and Keenum, and I'll take the second one. I, I touched on it earlier. I think in the in the immediate short term, he's going to fit more of Keenum's strengths, which is a moving pocket, more play action, mm-hmm. getting Keenum on the run, not letting him hang in the pocket. Uh, it'll, it'll be more consistent play calling, uh, more dedication to the ground game. All the basic essentials that Musgrave didn't have last year, you're going to get in Gary Kubiak. So at the short term, at the minimum, um, just a more stable hand. I don't think they're going to be an explosive offense by any means, but they're going to be consistent, I think less turnover-prone, and uh, overall better ranked in scoring and yards and, and all that. They're not going to be prolific, um, but I think they'll be under better hands in Kubiak. And we're not going to be wringing our hands about the coordinator not maximizing what the quarterback does best. So don't right. worry about that. As far as the linebacker, that's the biggest concern if you're Vic Fangio coming to Denver right now as a defensive mastermind, the evil genius, as his Bears players called him, is that he doesn't he he values speedy, quick sideline to sideline linebackers, not necessarily the big beef eaters that stack and shed like the Broncos have right now in Todd Davis, Brandon Marshall and Josie Jewell. So that's gonna be one of the first orders of business for Fangio's Broncos is identifying the type of linebacker that he requires for his system. Will it make you know the Broncos target one in the first round? I highly doubt it. In fact, I mean right now, if I were a betting man, I'd still I would wager even now. We don't have free agency yet. That's still a couple months down the road, but I wager even now, we'll talk more about this here in a minute. The Broncos are going to draft a quarterback in the first round this year. That's my take. Mm-hmm. But linebacker will be a priority. And it's going to be more about what type of player they are, not where they're drafted. So let's go here to Kyle Thomas. His question is, do you think Vic requested to have Gary Kubiak as his OC or was it forced upon him, you think, Zach? Uh, that was kind of what I uh, alluded to earlier, that maybe he it was the driving force. Maybe he requested Kubiak. Maybe they're, they've always been in cahoots. They've always been in tandem together. We don't know that for fact yet. But maybe, um, I know for minimum, though, as you said, that he didn't object to it. If he objected to it or had any dissatisfaction, he wouldn't have taken the job. Yeah. I mean, there's no question about that. He is, I mean, he's just going to tell it like it is. But... It wouldn't surprise me, but I'll just be frank with you, Kyle. I haven't heard anything about him directly requesting Kubiak, but you know he's obviously smart enough to know which way the wind is blowing. So I would just I would guess that it was something that was proposed to him by Elway, and he was wildly endorsing of it as a concept. Mm-hmm. So we move on here to Jacob JS Mile High nine seven nine eight Stud Mile High Huddle VIP subscriber. Um, he says, "Are we confident?" that the Fangio-Kubiak pairing not create too many cooks in the kitchen type of an environment. The team needs one person where the buck stops. Um, Zach, you go ahead, and, and I've got some thoughts on this, but your, your, your answer for Jacob first. 
It was kind of what you were saying earlier that, you know, it's looming over him having a former championship winning head coach now on the sideline right next to him calling plays. It could create some sort of, uh, you know, um, I don't know, a shadow over the Fangio era. I don't know. That It's going a little too far. I, I will say, though, that I think Elway was the only negative to Fangio was that he's never been a head coach. Yeah. So I think he wanted someone near him who had coaching experience. And I think uh, you could do a lot worse than Kubiak. And it's a two for one. You preserve him in the organization. Teams were sniffing around him. You preserve him and, and keep him within the team. And you have him as a stable hand and someone to lean on uh, for a first time coach in Fangio. Yeah, I mean, it's a concern. But I mean, basically look at the, you know, the ideal or the best case scenario is a similar outcome of in an in an old school sense, in a historic sense, the Chicago Bears in 85. I mean, famously, Mike Dick could coach the offense while Buddy Ryan coached the defense. Both of them were carried off the field, which you never see by their players. So in modern sense, look at what's happened with the L.A. Rams. Sean McVay's brief is 100% offense, and then defense is split with the world champion coordinator, Wade Phillips. So yes, in some senses, I agree that too many cooks can ruin the broth. I don't think that's going to be a concern as it relates to the Denver Broncos. And by the way, Jacob, again, who is a Mile High Huddle VIP, you guys have been great in your response to our four-for-one offer on VIP yes. subscribers. We've been trying to uh, you know, get you guys into the fold, give you an opportunity to get locked in from now until the end of the draft, which is when things are the most compelling and the most info comes out and the greatest content for our VIP subscribers on the lead-up to the coaching search, how they fill the coaching staff, uh, the free agent pursuits, the draft, you know, we're going to be at the combine, we're going to be at the senior bowl, all that stuff. And this is the time to do it. You can get four months of uh, Mile High Huddle 24-7 Sports VIP subscription for less than 10 bucks right now. And it's actually going, I'm, we're recording this late Wednesday, so it's, you know, basically six o'clock-ish mountain time as we're recording this. That offer is going to run through the end of Wednesday. So many of you are going to be listening to this episode on Wednesday night, Take advantage of this offer right now while it's on the table. You know, the, the network allows us to run these four-for-one type of offers maybe once or twice a year. So it's you don't expect this to come around anytime soon. And if you really, I mean, honestly, and this is just me telling you straight, do I want everyone to be an annual VIP subscriber? Yes, I do. Okay, I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. But I also am going to tell you the truth that January through May is the period of time in which you're going to get the most value as a VIP. So even if you go four months and cancel, now's the time to pull the trigger on it because you get in all those months under your belt for less than 10 bucks. So, and for those of you who have pulled the trigger and tried to sign up, both, we both thank you. You've been phenomenal. It's been a tremendous response from everybody. And we have received a couple questions uh, about whether or not fans can sign up outside of the United States and Canada, outside of North America. I don't, no, I'm still working on that. So if you have questions, just hit me up on Twitter. But we move on to the mailbag, Zach, from Drone Spear. Uh, he says, you know, let's just put on our uh, our worst-case scenario hats. How could this go wrong, this 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 pairing of Kubiak and Fangio? Like, if, it, if it's going to go wrong, how is it going to go wrong? 
we're already at that stage. It's been like six hours. Uh, I, it could go wrong, I think, by having Kubiak as the coordinator or by Fangio having a, more apathy to the job and not ever embracing the role as a head coach and maybe not evolving with the offense, maybe not integrating as a full. It's a, it's a huge job. It's, it's totally different than being a coordinator. I mean, it's two different things. You're taking on an entire team, day-to-day tasks you never had before. Um, he's a lifelong assistant. This is a huge leap for him, uh, leaving a place in a city he was comfortable in, going across the country to a job he's never really had interest in before this. So it could go wrong in that sense by him never really meshing with the job or Elway insisting on going with Kubiak's archaic scheme, relatively speaking, considering today's NFL, and not installing someone younger and more cutting edge to evolve, in his words, and uh, and really getting with the times. Yeah. I mean, the worst case scenario, if, if it fails, how does it fail? I think is going to come down to do they find a quarterback and how soon do they find the quarterback? And that's really for me because the right coaching hires are great. And this clearly symbolizes that Elway believed that the biggest issue plaguing the Broncos last year, especially 2018 was coaching and that having competent, capable, experienced experts in their respective fields could make the ultimate difference in terms of raising all ships and at least get the team as a as units playing and maximizing their potential but getting over the hump and taking it to the next level that's not going to happen until they get a quarterback so that's the that's the biggest thing for me how could it fail if they don't identify a quarterback quickly and they continue to hitch their star to a player like case keenum or they go move mountains to get a guy like joe flacco or something like that that's how I can see this thing not really working out. So we move on. Here's one, and then we're running out of time. I, don't, we, I This is my fault, you guys, today. Don't have a ton of time left uh, to, to go for this episode. So here's one from on Twitter. I'm here for number 12 in 19 at the real B got on Twitter. His question is, are the Broncos really looking at Drew Locke? Zach, you, uh, you know the backstory on this a little bit because I was traveling today, but why don't you drop some knowledge on us? Well, Woody Page, the all-knowing, apparently, <laughs> transcendent Woody Page, predicted that the Broncos will draft Drew Locke at number 10 overall. And don't forget, Woody Page, he broke the report of the Shanahan interest with John Elway and Joe Ellis. And he also, on Twitter, you can pull it up, he called, he was the first one on record to say that the Broncos will hire Vic Fangio, even before they identified Fangio as a candidate. So yep. he obviously knows what he's talking about, and he predicts that the Broncos will go QB in round one. And... Honestly, I don't really see him as a franchise option. I don't think he's worthy of that pick. But my philosophy is you keep swinging until you hit a home run. you got to keep acquiring a quarterback until you find that franchise guy. So if Kubiak and Elway and and the brain trust think it's Drew Locke, and and apparently if Woody Page thinks it's going to happen, then it's going to happen. All uh, Since it's being reported publicly now, I'll let you guys, and those of you who are VIP subscribers already know this, but I'll let you in on something that our Eric Trickle reported to the VIPs on our MHH Insiders Forum about a week and a half ago, right as the season was ending, that the Broncos really like Drew Locke and that what he's hearing from his sources, from multiple sources, by the way, is that the Broncos are going to look hard at basically making sure that they can get Drew Locke in the draft. And if you're looking at that from a fit perspective, he's got the big arm. You know, again, I have my doubts about have asking him to come into to the pros and start playing under center. But the biggest thing is if the Broncos go out and get a guy like Drew Locke is 
play him sooner rather than later. Don't make the same mistakes, right. Gary, that you made with Paxton Lynch. And by for all that is good and holy as it relates to football, John Elway, please make sure Gary Kubiak is on board with your quarterback pick this time so that he doesn't <laughs> try to torpedo the whole situation and throw the franchise off for three freaking years. Right. Amen. Preach. I, you got to play him. Throw him into the fire. Throw him into the deep end. See if he can swim. If he can, you got your franchise guy. If he can't, then you got another Paxton Lynch. And I mean, and Zach, this is probably where you and I diverge a little bit. Is that you love the 2020 class, and I completely yep. understand and agree. I mean, it's poised to be phenomenal. Well, maybe a little less now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, after the, uh, the the national championship. Right. Right. But I'm a Trevor Lawrence fan. Nevertheless, and by the way. There's going to be a lot of analysis on what took place in the national championship game as far as it relates to the draft, as it relates to the Broncos in the Building the Broncos episode, which is going to publish early on Thursday. So look for that. Um, but one other thing I'll say about quarterback is that, you know, the whole do the Broncos go in on 2019 on a weaker class or do they wait? I mean, I agree with you that you just got to keep swinging till you find one. And here's the thing, again, but as it relates to their urgency and, and making it a top priority in this year's draft, <clears throat> John Elway's running out of time. He's, his feet are being held to the fire for the first time, really. He's feeling the pressure. The natives are restless. And this is going to give him a boost as far as the fan base being Vic Fangio as opposed to Mike Munchak, which very few fans were stoked on, which I understand. I liked him. I published a VIP piece for our, our subscribers a couple days ago that had an inside uh, interview with Matt Hasselbeck that he who you know he coached or played under Munchak for a couple years there in Tennessee, who had some very flattering and, and revealing things to say about Munchak the coach, and it kind of revealed why Elway for a time was smitten with the idea of Mike Munchak, but nevertheless he's just not the sexy pick Vic Fangio at the very least is a coordinator in hot demand who is proven I mean there was that tweet from uh let me find it here while I'm talking there was that tweet from James Palmer on Wednesday afternoon in which he said I didn't realize this Zach it actually kind of blew my mind let me find this here it's a screenshot on my phone I grabbed it because I didn't want to miss it that the Denver Bron or that uh, Vic Fangio's defenses have finished in the top 10 as a total defense. So that means in total yards. Uh, they finished in the top 10 under Fangio eight times and in the top five, five times. So mm. on Black Monday, Elway stood up and said, you know, when he was asked, what are you looking for? One of the things he said was, I want an expert on his side of the ball. And now he's got two. So he's got a head coach who's an expert on defense. I mean, like literally a bona fide expert. How many times could Gary Kubiak say he's fielded a top 10 offense? Not not too often. I know that he has, but not in the same way that Vic Fangio can. But meanwhile, still, you got Kubiak, who, you know, he might not be the poster boy for the modern changes of the NFL, but he has a, a legitimate resume replete with bona fide success. He might not be a number one offense guy, the Star Wars numbers, as our, our buddy Jim Ursay in Indianapolis likes to say, but he has what matters most, his offense, or, you know, his offensive philosophies, at the end of the day, you can debate it, but they brought four world championships to his, his respective teams, three of which were to the Broncos. That 
you can't argue results. And that's, I think, what Elway wanted was that he wanted results. He didn't want theoretical upside. He he doesn't want to gamble again. Maybe he's feeling the pressure. Like you said, his contract is run out. He thinks he's still in win-now mode. Uh, he desperately avoided using the rebuilding word. I mean, he was almost allergic to that. Uh, he wants to win now. Yep. And he believes meshing uh, a, a coordinator who won championships with a guy who they think can be a head coach in this league, uh, I think that's the blueprint. Yep. And by the way— um, Christy, I think we answered your question as it relates to Ed Donatel. That's where the signs are pointing right now. But also I want to give a shout out to Christy who had a great idea on Twitter. A few weeks ago, we put out a question on Twitter about the idea of Zach and I coming out with some t-shirts for y'all, some Huddle Up podcast t-shirts. And uh, to be honest with you, the response out of the gates was relatively lukewarm. We didn't get a whole lot of feedback. You know, sometimes you tweet things out into the internet, the ether, and you don't get things back. Sometimes you tweet it out and things explode back to you. In that case, it was kind of lukewarm. So, you know, we haven't put a whole lot of, you know, follow-up thought into it. But then Christy strikes with a phenomenal <laughs> idea that we come out with some Huddle Up podcast t-shirts that have mine and Zach's faces on them that says football priests, your football priests, something to that effect. And uh, so, hey, that's a good idea. You might want to go trademark that now, Christy, while you're thinking about it, <laughs> so you can cash in. You know what I'm saying? But uh, that's definitely something that here, maybe first quarter, Zach and I were talking about as it relates to this year. Uh, in the first quarter of the year, somewhere a little bit further into the first quarter, we'll take a harder look at, at getting some T-shirts cooked up. I want to do it. I'm all for it. And in fact, you know, we can wear them on our Facebook lives on our respective Facebook pages, uh, plug alert. So uh, double promotion there. If, if you guys want to see it, let us know, give us some feedback on the t-shirts and everything. We will, we will make it happen. If there's enough groundswell for it, we yep. will provide that for you guys. So uh, let us know. By the way, you did a Facebook live tonight, didn't you? I'm going to right after this podcast comes, you know, is uh, done wrapping yeah, up. Yeah, so it'll take about half an hour from the time we end talking today for this thing to be uploaded. So some of you might miss Zach's Facebook Live, but remind our listeners while you're at it how often you go live on Facebook and really what that is about. It used to be, well, it was every Sunday or every Monday, whatever, before the game. Now it's, you know, with the offseason, I'm going to be on a couple times a week. I'm going to be on, uh, you know, Tuesdays and Thursdays, Mondays and Wednesdays, whatever. I don't really have a set schedule just yet, but I will promise you guys, Broncos country, to keep you guys updated on news, happenings, rumors. Uh, there's going to be so much going on between now and, you know, the entire offseason pretty much, you know, with the Senior Bowl, the Combine, free agency, the draft. The Broncos in the immediate future are going to hire, fire, and, and, you know, have a press conference. I'm going to be providing up to the day, you know, <laughs> recaps of the Broncos news and what's going on. I will keep you guys in the loop. I'll be on a couple times a week. I promise you guys. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Kelberman247, and I will be dropping when I'll be on. So I'll be sure to check that out. By the way, you know, John Elway is kind of middle finger in the league right now because every cut coaching hire thus far <laughs> has been offensive. Every guy has been an offensive guy from uh, now the latest being Adam Gase, Looks like he's signing with the New York Jets to go team up with Sam Darnold. But you got Freddie Kitchens getting the job in Cleveland. You got Bruce Arians in Tampa. You got Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona. And now I'm, oh, LaFleur in Green Bay. Sure. And then Elway swoops in. He's like, yeah, nah, we're going with Vic Fangio, who's going to stop y'all. I guess that's really the philosophy, right? That's Elway's guy. And when Elway wants, Elway gets. He doesn't budge. It's it's his his way or the highway. So uh, one thing about Gates, though, he's going to New York. And guess who might join him as his defensive coordinator? 
Ooh. Vance Joseph, Ooh. reportedly, per rap sheet. So uh, Gase and Vance Joseph, that two names in Broncos country that don't sit too well. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, it was a great episode. We shared with you our gut reaction to the news. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure you share these episodes out on your respective social media pages. Help us grow this thing. I mean, Zach and I, we love doing what we do. We wouldn't be able to do it the way we do without you guys supporting us. So thank you for your support. And also, as always, make sure you're leaving that creative review. Make sure you're rating the show if you haven't done it. And don't forget to subscribe, y'all. Zach said, find him on Twitter, at Kelberman247, myself, at Chad and Jensen, and the show, if you want to get on the mailbag, at HuddleUpPod. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.